This is episode 27 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 27 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Dan Cipetta on the podcast. Dan is an interesting guy. He's got a farming hobby slash occupation, as well as being a commercial banker, as well as being a real estate investor, property manager, and many, many other things. This guy's got his hand in it all. He started at the ripe young age of 21, flipping his first property for an $85,000 profit. Dan is an inspiring guy to say the least because he just went out there and did it. He shows no signs of looking back. He tells his story today, shows some examples of properties that he's been involved on, how he's profited on flips, how he's profiting on one of his buy and holds that he renovated. It's sure to be inspiring to many. I certainly wish that I had managed to put things together in my head so young to get that head start that Dan has been able to acquire for himself. Dan talks a lot about his vision and why he's become a real estate investor, what he's aiming to do to achieve financial independence by the age of 32. Dan's only 26 right now, so he's got some time, but he's got his numbers figured out and he's working towards this goal. Without further ado, please enjoy episode 27 with Dan Chapata. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Dan and I'm going to let you say your last name. Well, the English way to pronounce it is Cipetta, but I'm Italian, so we pronounce it Capetta. Capetta? Yeah. Sounds much nicer in the Italian. You could just call me Dan. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going to call you Dan. Yeah, that works. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thank you very much for coming on. So I know you made the trek up from Guelph. Mm -hmm. Not too bad. Farm country. That's right. Yeah, which uh, I think we're going to have a little bit of a farm flair today. That's all right. A little farm flair. Everyone's got to eat every day. So yeah, got to talk about our food somehow. So uh, Dan and I met at the Greater Hamilton Area REI Meetup, which uh, myself and Travis started for just this reason to meet uh, smart, accomplished investors who who have put things together. And um, Dan, I know you've told me a bit about your story, but um, I heard a lot of stories in between, so I'm going to need you to refresh me. Why don't you just give us a rundown uh, what you do for a career right now and where you're at in your investing career? Perfect. So um, right now, I'm doing a lot of things for my career, but primarily I'm working full-time for TD Bank. I do agriculture lending for farmers, so commercial bank, agriculture lending. So I work with primary producers and help them buy farms, build barns, anything to do with expanding their farm business. So I'm doing that full-time. And I'm also having a, a, you know, a few other side businesses, one being real estate. I'm also running my own farm business. I do a little bit of property management, contracting, that kind of stuff. So let's just say I keep busy. You keep busy, (laughs) to say the least. So uh, why don't we just dig into those sort of one by one. So you've been in the career for how long? I've been in commercial banking for about six years. Six years? Yeah. And you go straight into that out of school? Right out of school, yeah. Okay. And then how long have you been investing in real estate? Uh, Five years. Yeah, I I bought my first place in my fourth year of university. I went to University of Guelph and I bought Mm -hmm. my first place when I was... Um, yeah, my fourth year, just starting out. So you got an early start. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's good. I wish I'd, uh, been smart enough to invest right away Mm -hmm. uh, when I graduated. You had mentioned to me that you got into real estate. I think you, you did a flip to start. Is that right? Yeah. So the first project that my first few houses were all with partners because we were all young, you know, each person brought different things to the table and that's how we were able to be successful. So my first flip was a student house kind of fixer upper. It was rough shape, 
but my one buddy, um, his parents have a real estate business. So they have, you know, they fix houses, they renovate them and they rent them out. So at the time they were in it for about six years and they had like, I don't know, something like nine, 10 houses. And they kept educating us on this because we were so interested in it. And, um, they ended up putting an offer in on a property and I knew nothing about it. And he just called me, my, my buddy, he said, Hey, listen, we put an offer on this place. We didn't go see it. Do you want to buy it? I'm like, Oh my God. And like, it was risky for me. I was like, no way. I don't have a job. Like I'm in summer. Like there's no way I can afford it. Um, we ran the numbers. I had a, I was doing a summer gig, uh, like a summer job placement. Like between third and fourth year? Between third and fourth okay. year. And the HR department, I knew the lady at the HR department and she put on my job description that I was full-time <laughs> rather than part-time. So it helped me get that mortgage, right? Interesting. Yeah. So I ended but well, we co-signed it together. My mom had to go on with 1% because she was still working and that was what was able yeah, to Yeah. So make. that's how you qualified so yeah. you're in school and that was a flip. You bought it as a flip. Yeah. So we bought it and it was like knob and tube wiring. It was ugly. Like mm. uh, I remember pulling up to the house and I was like, I can't believe we bought this. But at the time, Guelph was cheap. So that was like 260000 what we bought it for. And if you know much about Guelph, that house today is probably worth almost six fifty, right? So it's tripled yeah. in value in terms of the city has grown so much with the university there and everything. What'd you sell it for? Uh, I sold that one for four twenty. Four twenty. So yeah. you bought for how much again? Two sixty. Two sixty to four twenty. Yeah. Uh, do you remember ballpark profit you had on that deal? Yeah, it was a bit of a weird one because we kept putting money into it. So all of our friend, the way, so I'll just go back. We bought it in October. It closed in on on Halloween. So we had this huge mm -hmm. kegger. We had like five hundred people there to try and raise <laughs> money for the rentals, right? Really? The house got pretty much totaled at the kegger. That's hilarious. Um because there was five hundred people there. Like people were breaking windows to get in. I ended up calling the cops on our own party because I was like, I need all these people out because wow. we made our money. The beer yeah. sold out and I was like, trouble's <laughs> gonna happen, right? So um anyway, we it was Halloween, so we it was vacant and uh, we worked on it all winter. And I think we placed tenants for January or February or something like that. And then they only signed like a short term. And then by June, uh, May or June, we were all done school. So me and my buddies stayed in Guelph and we just moved into that house. And what okay. we did was we moved upstairs and we were during that the following winter, we renovated the basement. So it was a six bedroom house once it's all said and done. But the two landlords were living in the basement. So it was legal, right? It was just one unit, not multiple one units. One unit yeah. was kind of like a student house, right? So that was yeah. the objective of it. Um, owner occupied student house. That's interesting. Very ambitious of you while in school. Yeah, it was it was actually a zoo to try and figure it out and do manage because I remember doing like calculus homework and trying to like, oh, I got to run to the house and do this, let in trades. I didn't have a... A, a truck, a car, anything. So I remember riding my bike with like building material on my shoulder and like had mm -hmm. a little wagon on my bicycle just to like pull some material. So it was a lot of learning has, has happened since that day. And I thought I had a good story like piling 122 by fours in my Hyundai Sonata, yeah. um, wow. which I don't have anymore. But uh, yeah, I, I destroyed that car pretty good putting materials in it. That's all right. It's your yeah. first car, right? So you got to beat it up somehow. Yeah, you got to do it if it's for the reno. If it, uh, That's it. if you're making money, you kind of feel better about it. You're like, mm -hmm. ah. yeah, it's a casualty. Um, okay, so that that's interesting, and and it's I find it fascinating that you had somebody in your life that could teach you. Could you tell me a little bit about that relationship? So my culture is Italian, so we've always grown up with working on stuff. My parents were into rentals when they were younger, but 
ever since we got older, they hated it. They let, they said, don't go into it. You know, it's, you're always fixing pipes. You're always, they're very risk averse, right? So mm-hmm. growing up, I had that mentality um, on the rental side. But in terms of fixing and being handy, our whole family was handy. I just didn't have, I didn't know how to start, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this situation was with my my buddy's parents. They had a landscaping business. They were they were doing this and they were doing a good job at it. They had many projects on the go and they just sparked our interest and we just, they led us and they, you know, told us, they gave us the right advice at the right time and, and we made yeah. good decisions based on their advice. And eventually, you know, we sold the property, we went our separate ways and we both rebought. And, um, you know, one of my buddies, he watches the podcast. He's a member of the, the real estate investing meetup. So we still talk all the time and yeah. we're always talking about doing another project together. So which one is it? It's Austin. Austin. Okay. Yeah. Also in banking. <laughs> yep. He's in banking as well. So that's how we, I yeah. got him his first job out of school with the bank because I was tight with the HR lady and and she's like we need to hire more yeah do you have any good talent good colleagues that you'd recommend I said yeah absolutely so I definitely uh, appreciate the the way that these these relationships form and the way that you got started so soon I don't think everybody will respond to having somebody around them who's who's investing and making money from it the way you did like what do you think it is about you the way you grew up or, or where you came from that made you want to to strive for this and why did you want to do it? Yeah, it's always been a dream of mine to have the full-time job and the side hustle on the side. Like I I always, I get bored very easily, but that's not Mm -hmm. the reason for it. I just always, I couldn't stand going home and watching Netflix. Like I need to do something. So that was my, you know, if I buy this in university, at least when I'm not studying, because realistically, who's going to study on Friday nights and Saturdays? At least we worked on the house and we got our Mm -hmm. buddies involved and we made it fun. So we just, we encouraged each other to keep keep doing that. Um, so, I mean, my parents are like that too. They always have something on the go, even though they're retired right now. They just are always doing yeah. something. So, I think I it's probably genetics and just the way it is that we can't sit still. So, I figured yeah. if I'm gonna not sit still, I may as well make money. I just realized this more recently. I think when we when we went to the meetup, I like I like making money way more than I like spending it. Hundred percent. And when you're doing ways, stuff, yeah. you're not spending money, right? It's true. Like, when so. I was teaching at Western, I used to have the summers off and I just watched my uh, my bank account go down. Oh, and I had man. all that free time. Yeah. <laughs> Four months off. I played golf every day. And oh. That adds up. It, it was adds fun. Up. <laughs> but it's yeah, exactly. I know when I was in university that like for me, it was kind of a bit of a pain point because I know my parents, they they never really had a whole lot. And I know that they struggled. And I, part of the reason I wanted to go to school and got into business, I went to business school, was I wanted to do things differently. I wanted to be rich. Mm-hmm. Let's let's call a spade a spade. I wanted to, to be so wealthy that I never worried about money. Absolutely. And one of the things I thought was, you know, just go get really educated. And if that's what it'll do, it, you know, PhD or whatever sort of level of education would do it. Then I realized PhDs don't really make much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no offense to PhDs. No, some of them do. But it's not like it's not like the the direction you would go just to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think somewhere along the line, I stumbled into rich dad, poor dad, and it just reaffirmed a lot of things I was thinking. And uh, I already had my eye on real estate. I was already in this game. And then I'm like, okay, wow, that really reaffirms. I was, I was doing this right. I was, my head was in the right space. Did you have any sort of motivations like that? I was very stressed my first deal. Like I didn't know what I was doing because my we were all learning off of each other right it was a big project Mm -hmm. there was big invoices coming in it was like how am Mm -hmm. i going to cover this 
you know um plus it was because it was a first deal with a partner like you don't iron out a partnership agreement nothing's clear it's like who's gonna do yeah. what so the it wasn't as clear as if i were to enter one today so yeah. um yeah the first deal was i started getting that feeling after we finished the first project and it was like we bought another one and it was almost uglier and it was like m way bigger workload yeah. but we're like we can handle it now because we've done it before and you know what's the worst that can happen right people always say oh i don't want to buy buy a house because the mortgage is so big people think like oh it's a four hundred thousand dollar mortgage you have to pay it off tomorrow it's mm -hmm. like one month at a time right one thing at a time and then once you realize that it's once you get attuned to the level of stress or project size then you can handle something greater because yeah. you've you've developed right so you had some people you could call on around you that 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 had you know somebody who knew maybe a trades person if you needed it but you still were willing to tackle it all yourself yeah i mean we hired trades obviously for um like the the stuff required to do so insurance said it's not been tube wiring you got to get an electrician obviously we got plumbers we got other trades for like the hvac all that was done but for, um mm -hmm. out, outsourced but for the most part everything in-house we everything else we kind of did ourselves so we learned i mean you look at some tile yeah. jobs that we did and we're like oh man that's yeah. ugly. but now it's you just learn yeah you get better at it Absolutely. You, are you still are you still doing projects where you do work yourself uh yes and no so it really depends um if it's my own house like me and my fiance just bought a house last summer and i basically took the month of august off and me and my dad just went at it for a full month and we did everything we possibly could to renovate it to get it because it was a 1970s house and she, we wanted it beautiful and nice and new because mm -hmm. it's our forever home so yes we i still do quite a bit myself you yeah know, just this past week we just finished a 600 square foot deck so it's a but pretty this is big at your house, house. Is it, yeah so rentals it's mm -hmm. it depends right time and and the scope and yeah obviously it's a write-off to hire someone so sometimes time and value it's yeah it's easier to just you know, call someone, but I just take it case by yeah. case. And even if I am hiring someone, I'm usually subbing out uh, the project. So I'm managing it. I'm just saying, okay, the tile guy's coming right. this, you know what I mean? It was easier for me to hire people because I was no good at anything mm -hmm. uh, hands on. Not that I, I don't think I, I'm good with my hands. I do think I am. I just, uh, I never had any background in any of that stuff. So it was a lot easier, but I was so curious. I mean, I, I just love to tinker with stuff. I loved, uh, I love being able to uh, frame a wall. I just, you know, just getting to do that, having never done that in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, I, when I was a kid, my parents built houses, so I kind of got to see it. And uh, I do remember uh, getting up on the roof and helping shingle shingle it when I was like nine years old, which is kind of an interesting uh, memory. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And hanging drywall with them. So I had some, some roots in that. But, you know, I went to school, never did anything handy in high school. Um, so when hiring people, I felt it was kind of important that I got my hands dirty just so that I could know what made sense and what didn't when I'm talking to trades. You Absolutely. know, if some trade tries to blow smoke, then, uh, you know. then I know. Uh, no, I know what that job should take. I've, you know, I've done that even myself and knowing that I'm not you know, very good at this. That's right. You know, an experienced person should take roughly this long. If you're making X number an hour, then this job should cost roughly this. Yep. And uh, it, it gave me a good basis, which I would almost recommend it for anybody. If you want to get into managing renos, I mean, you don't have to, but it's not a bad thing. Never At least hurts. you know the jobs you like, the jobs you yeah. don't like, and then you can go from there. And yeah. Ultimately, for young guys like us, you know, you get three quotes and they're all over the map because they're, it's because they may be judging you based on how you dress, what you drive. So a lot mm -hmm. of the time, it's just trying to figure out, okay, 
like you said, how long is this job going to take? And should we, Yeah. you know, is this guy out to lunch here on the price? Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't like the number you get, you say go away. That's and right. Start doing it yourself, maybe. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, or you go find guys hourly on Kijiji or Craigslist exactly. or whatever. And I've yep. done that too. And it's not not the way you, you want to end up, you know, three years down the road. But if, you know, on day one, if that's what you got to do, sometimes you do it. That's yeah. all part of the learning process, yeah. right? Okay, so just before we switch gears, uh, did you know roughly what your profit number? So it was you and your roommate that... Uh, yeah, it was me Me and my buddy bought that at the yeah. time. But um, because we had split roles, there was a bit of equity buyout. Like I bought more shares of the project because okay. I was financing a lot of it. So, I mean, all said and done, I think I walked away with about like 85K. And for a 21-year-old, that was a lot of money once it all said was done. you know, That's huge. 85K yeah. at we 21 did the, years old. Um, it was the uh, first time home buyers, but you know, you did the 5% down and they tacked on the CMHC insurance on yeah, top. Yeah. So we didn't really touch the mortgage in the few years that we held it because it was just the CMHC premiums that we paid a little bit yeah. off, right? So um, no, it was definitely a good project, but it, yeah. I would say the learnings was exponentially way more worth it than the money made. The money made set me up for the next project and the, the mindset of- right where to go with this or sparked my interest. Right, right. right. I mean, it, it just changes everything when you 100%. make that kind of mon- yeah. money on, on a single deal, especially when it's fun. Like yeah. I find real estate fun. It like, was fun. See, Problem with yeah. me is though, if I get a check like that, you think I'm going to go and, you know, I'm I'm very cautious with spending. So it's not yeah. like I went out and, and yeah. spent a bunch of it. Like I parked it and I I invested it and I made sure that I was going to turn yeah. that that specific amount into 10 times that. That's no problem. That's yeah. that's the way it should be. Yeah, uh, that's the way honestly. it should be. But you meet a lot of people, you give them a check no. for 80 grand, it's gone within three weeks, right? So Yeah, it just comes down to, to money management, obviously, and, and what your goals are. Um, but yeah, the, okay, so, so you made 85K at that age. What was your next move? The next move was um, we bought, uh, so this is with Austin. So the first project was with Austin's older brother. And this, this project was with Austin. So they're brothers. Okay. And me and Austin bought our first place. And this was two streets over. And this was a duplex. And it was illegally, like it was um, it was operating as a duplex, but not legal mm-hmm. with the city of Guelph. Okay. So um, this one, it was like a, you had to, it was out for tenders and, you know, the offers were all due. We ended up getting this duplex, but it was also the, like, it was tough, really rough shape. Like we there's there's just like things that you don't want to see when you're flipping a house like we found like bags and needles in the basement blood marks all over it was just gross like but we were excited because you must have got a good deal on that one we got a good deal on it (laughs) looking back now that was probably our my best business you know uh purchase ever just because of the fact that it was it was a lot of work and i learned way more on that project because Mm -hmm. like the house was like leaning. We like jacked it up. We fixed the footings. Like it was just a, a big, a lot of work. We That's did it. Cool. And the first, because it was two units, the first unit we had to get down in 30 days because we wanted cash flow coming in. Was it a side by side or a, uh, f- a front and back? A front and back, yeah. like a bungalow style. So the old one, or... like the front of the house was the original house from like 1840s or whatever yeah. year it was. It's unconfirmed the actual build date. Mm-hmm. And then the back of it was like 1920s or 30s. So the front okay. of the house was um, old electrical, old plumbing. So we had to do all that. And then we repainted it, redid flooring, bathrooms, put in a washer dryer on the main floor because there wasn't one so we had Mm -hmm. to like um put in a wall and run plumbing and stuff 
And yeah. we ended up getting that done in 30 days. Okay, so so just to take a quick step back, were these units entirely independent, like separate heat systems, yes. separate water meters, yep. everything's everything, separate? Everything's okay. separate. And it came that way. You bought it, it that way. came that way, but it wasn't running legally. So we it had was to illegal. Get, yeah. yeah, so we had to get zoning in and prove that it was operating like that since like 1992, which was easy because the finishes were, it was easy to prove that. Okay, so they came in and they were agreeable? Yeah. Uh, we had to do centrally monitored fire systems. Yeah. So that's when I got to know the fire department because like the chief would come and inspect it and yeah. me and him had a pretty decent relationship because after that I kept doing, I yeah. did a, uh, another duplex conversion. Got to make friends so. with these people. Exactly. So I just give him a coffee out, right? and you yeah. know, it went a long way and he would show up yeah. and say, you got to do this, you got to do that, but I'll sign you off today. Yeah. So we just, it was not too much, just fire safety and uh, we had to put a firewall in the basement. Mm. And that was all said and done. Once you had that paperwork, the property is worth 30, 40 K more immediately. So that was like yeah. a big celebration date too. Yeah. Having something be legal versus illegal. Absolutely. Because when something's illegal, you have a huge risk, right? What if what if bylaw enforcement comes out and says you're shut down? Yeah. Right? Whereas if you're legal, they can't do that. Or from an insurance point, something happens and you mm -hmm. can't assure the income if you know. Oh, yeah, so they might deny a claim That's if right. your insurance company, you know, writes it that way. Yeah. Or your you're, tenant complains. There's so yeah. many risks, right? I don't I don't like operating illegally. I think if you're going to do it, like if you have like an extra bedroom, like in London, you can only have five bedrooms. But if I had an extra room that was quote unquote a den, I would happily rent to six students and say, hey, you two have to share a room. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I don't have student houses, so I don't, yeah. there's not, that's not applicable yeah. to me, but I don't really like operating within the gray area. It's, it's a risk, right? So if you're going to do it, if you're in a gray area, you have to understand that you are taking a risk and how much are you risking? Is it exactly. worth it? Like if you got shut down in six months. Would you look at that as as a horrible waste of money, or would just would it have paid for itself already? Right. 100%. If you got to spend a you know forty grand finishing an extra unit, not worth it. That's illegal, and they get shut down. Nope. Well, yeah, you're you're risking something. But I know there are some people who like live and breathe by that. Like, yeah, it's a different mentality. It's an older yeah. school mentality. It, mm -hmm. but that's not, yeah. you can't build a business. I don't think in this day and age you can build a business on that all it takes is one tenant to complain and yeah and your name's on somewhere in the zoning book you bring up a very good point if you are thinking building a business how how far down the road are you thinking right because i'm talking yeah. as even now i'm talking yeah. to zoning every two weeks like hey can I, should i buy this house can i put a yeah. triplex on a duplex land the moment yeah. they see my email coming in or a phone they're like oh this you know cowboy again right so no <laughs> it's not worth it your reputation is going to matter. 100%. And I feel the same way, like everything I've done, we've, we've been doing it with permits, trying to make sense of everything. And, and, and I'll involve people from the city, just like you will ahead of time, like the building inspector, for instance. So if I'm asking them how to do something or I'll call the head of the building department, he'll mm -hmm. take my call and he'll call me right back if he misses me. And super nice guy. And I just ask him, hey, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And he'll look it up and they'll work with you and, and if they see that you're trying to play ball and you're trying to respect their authority i mean let's face it they're in that position and they feel that they should have authority um it's better that you just respect it and try and work with them exactly i and, completely agree with you and if it's building inspectors how do you want me to do it like you literally go to them and ask them our plan says this but i wanted to run it by you real quick do yep. you have any special notes for us we've done that and that's been the biggest um the biggest success factor i would say in getting building permit inspections passed when they come out they pass them, no question, if you talk to them beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we're young, so if we see that we're trying to make an effort, they yeah. respect that because they're like, well, I can be rude to this guy, but likely he's going to do mm -hmm. this again, and it's better to set him on the right foot now. I like that you keep saying I'm young. That's well, nice. Well, we are. Like, it's true, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> in theory, like... In, You're younger than I am, but... But, but yeah. from a 
standpoint of no, real estate right. investing, like we are, a lot of people say like, oh, you know, even now when I pull up the properties, like, oh, is that your, people say like, oh, is this your dad's house? I like, I find that <laughs> bothers me so much. Is that your dad's yeah. truck? And I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it bothers me, but that's just the reality of it. That's, that's a compliment of yeah. anything. If people assume, I still have, I'll have people say that to me when I'm going to look at property. They're like, wait a minute. You're like, you're too young to be out doing all this. Mm-hmm. And it is a different mentality. I am grateful. You know, I look at where I'm at, at the age I'm at, and I know that I'm well set up for when I turn 60, mm-hmm. but I also want to turn it on like crazy right now. So I'm buying yachts and, and stuff when I'm 60. That's you know, the like, plan. <laughs> I don't want yachts. I just want cash flow. Like I just yeah. want that point. But yeah, that, that's, sure. that's an exclamation mark. I, I mean, I think a yacht would be fun, but being completely honest about one of my, my goals is I have a specific airplane that I want to, I nice. want to own. It's a kit plane that, uh, that can go really fast and I could actually fly it to Florida. So my wife and I could actually, you know, take our dog and we could actually just fly right down to Florida. For the weekend, it's quicker than going to Muskoka. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We could, you know, go up to the cottage, like all the things that are possible. So I don't have my pilot's license now, but I know a couple of guys that are, that are pilots. So they kind of got me thinking about it and uh, man, it'd be fun. So you gotta, you gotta set a goal uh, if you want to work towards it, right? So uh, getting back to this deal that you you did, what did you buy that for? The the one with uh, with Austin? Uh, I think we bought it for like two forty nine or something. But we did the purchase plus improvement mortgage, so okay. we ended up getting a mortgage for two eighty. Okay, so, so it was kind of funny on closing. We were all sitting down and we were laughing because we didn't have to really pay for anything except the legal fees. So we're just like we bought a house, and the way they the bank did the adjustment ledger with the lawyer, they didn't really. Well, it was Austin's first house, so they rebated the first time home buyer side of it. And it was like they just basically told us to pay like five hundred bucks or something like that each. No down payment. Like it was a weird because the way the bank structured it, our mortgage was two eighty. They basically did a hundred percent financing. Well, hundred and so it was a cash back mortgage? Essentially, yeah. So what we had to do was do the work and then they would compensate us based on invoices and draw releases. That's the typical purchase plus improvement. So we have that here. I believe that you can do a similar thing in the States as well. Uh, But basically you can buy a property and you go get a couple of quotes from a contractor, a couple of contractors and you show the lender and then they'll give you the basically. So if you, if you come up with 25,000 as your lowest quote, they will set 25,000 aside with a lawyer or, well, you know, if you're 95% financing, mm-hmm. then they'll set 95% of 25000 uh, with the lawyer. And then it just gets released to you. So essentially, what it, the way it's supposed to work out is that you're 5% down after your renovations. So they'll cover yeah. your renovations. It's supposed to work out that way. Maybe in your case, it actually didn't work out well, that way. Well, maybe once it was all said and done, I'm sure, yeah, yeah. that was. But it just felt weird on closing day not having yeah. to write a check to a lawyer. That's very cool. I, I think I've told this story one time. I actually got a check back for a dollar forty-four. That's yeah. <laughs> you might have heard that. Yeah, in the I think podcast. you did say that. <laughs> uh, I love that when people have heard those episodes. So it, it does feel weird, but you can do that, right? If you're borrowing correctly. So okay, so you got in. So it sounds like you renovated for thirty grand then. Uh, f- yeah, it was we did all. It was all forty. We spent every dollar of the forty. So of well, the you 40, said two eighty versus two fifty, right? Two forty. I think we bought it two forty one or something. Okay, so we'll call it two forty. Yeah, just to keep I think our it was two forty. Uh, and we spent 40 just to keep it even. Okay. And of the 40, 30 was all on like roof, soffit, everything exterior. Like we even, cause it's an older house, we had to insulate it from the outside. Mm-hmm. So we did new siding, new soffit, new fascia, like everything on the outside. So you wanted to make it look nice curb appeal. Of course. It was an yeah. older house. It was ugly. It was like stucco was peeling off and we wanted to make it warm and more, uh, efficient for tenants. So okay. like 30 of it went 
to one trade and it was like all exterior but it felt great when it was done and the rest we just did it all chipped away at it and did it ourselves and okay. spent that 10 grand slowly so you made 10 grand what did you get done with 10 grand on the inside on the inside we did the flooring the paint uh austin was really good at getting sourcing kitchens he came down to burlington on a kijiji ad and he pulled this girl's <laughs> kitchen out for like 200 bucks put it on a trailer and it was like this beautiful kitchen from yeah. ikea or wherever it was from but she just wanted a newer kitchen maybe she was new yeah. to the area wanted a nice kitchen but for us for a rental it was amazing yeah. we did the tile work uh we had a buddy that did the tile work for half of it we did ourselves and half of it he did yeah. it so and the second unit was the one we took our really sweet time at because we had tenants in the front so in the back by the time uh it was winter time we had all the we would wor- we would work on it inside so we mm-hmm. refinished the original hardwood floor so we didn't have a big flooring expense we sanded them, sealed them, um, did trim. We did that all of ourselves. We painted it. Um, yeah. So all that kind of stuff. So we really stretched the dollar on the rear unit. Yeah. I don't think you can do that now with ten grand. It seems like everywhere you turn on a renovation, ten grand goes pretty quick. So it does. But I, I mean, one of my first rentals. That's the way I did it. You know, I was going around to surplus stores, buying, yep. buying everything. You know, end of the roll, like mm-hmm. what, whatever you can get, where it's it's a discontinued line, and they're basically just liquidating it. Uh, I got crazy good deals, you yeah. know, flooring that that was under a dollar a square foot to buy. That was a good vinyl, uh, like a, a vinyl plank, mm-hmm. you know, so nice floors. But, you know, if you do things like that, you can do it in the short term, especially when you're getting started, because it saves you the money and it allows you to have a margin in your deal. And then as you do more, like we talked about, you know, doing things properly, I think I think finding good suppliers who give a good quality product reliably over and over again at a good price yes. uh, and contractors that'll do a job at a good price. Then you can grow, right? Yeah. You can't grow if you're running around trying to be everywhere all the time. No, no. Uh, no. Luckily, we found this uh, wholesale flooring place mm-hmm. in, in Kitchener and they got us our trim and our flooring. We went on boxing day, so we were able to use cash and leverage and yeah. able to wheel and oh, deal yeah. a little bit. So that was pretty good. And we st- yeah. I still work with them to this day. So Yeah, I've, I've got a flooring guy that I use all the time and he gives me fantastic pricing but i'll try and give him every bit of business i can yep. you know if somebody comes to me and refer wants to know about floor i refer him so he knows i'll always be a good source of business for him so he always so gives it's me worth really... it to drop his margin on yeah, your one job but and... he knows i'll just come back it's really yep. easy for him easy for me and it works out and i think people see that right yep. but if you're if you're constantly shopping around it gets less easy for them and therefore they gotta charge you a bit more yep, absolutely uh, it's funny how it works and then for stuff as far as like going to big box stores the only thing i really go to big box stores for are light fixtures and plumbing fixtures oh and like bathroom hardware mm-hmm. like your towel racks and stuff towel bars for sure everything else i i like to just get it through the trades that are doing the work yeah just makes it easier mm-hmm. um okay so you're on this de- this deal so total all in you're you're 280 in 280 in was the yep mortgage mm-hmm. value once it was all said and done okay did you end up selling that one no i still own it i bought okay. austin out a few years later it was about a year and a half later i bought him out and i'm yeah. i'm still holding it because that's my best cash flow producing property because you're not going to buy it for that cheap and cash flow it so going back to to back when you finished it what was the cash flow when you got it going 1100 in the front and 1200 in the rear and now my front unit's 1500 yeah and my rear unit's the same tenant so she's up to like 1200 or with the small increases every year so say 2300 between the front and the back when you finished uh you would have had your mortgage taxes maintenance um what do you think you were clearing on a monthly off of that Maybe six, six, seven hundred bucks. We'll just say six hundred. Yeah. Uh, so six hundred a month. 
that's 7,200 a year cash flow to you. So then you've got a mortgage, which you said was 280. So we're going to just do a quick uh, calculation here. So principal pay down, as you know, I like to use 3% because it's a rough, a rough number that seems to work. Yep. So if your mortgage is 280, then that's $8,400 a year being paid down, down on your mortgage approximately give or take. And then we've got property appreciation. And what do you think it was worth? I know the purchase plus improvements doesn't really capture the value. No, that's just what you were in for. Yeah. So we originally planned that to flip that right away. Like we got yeah. it, put tenants in it, and we put it on the market and it didn't sell for $399. That's what you wanted. That's what we wanted. We got yeah. an offer for like $370 and you know, we just didn't take it. And we we're like, let's just sit on it for a bit. That was right when we finished the rentals but I just spoke to my realtor last week of what it is valued now. And he thinks it's about 530. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Okay. So, so we'll, we'll base our number based on 370 then. Sure. So three at 370 at the time you finished that reno uh, times, let's say a 3% appreciation rate. We know it's higher in yes, hindsight, but I just like to budget for that. Um, okay. So our total return here, so 26,000 a year and your investment was like, 500 bucks? Or? Yeah, it was peanuts. Like we probably dumped a little bit into materials later in the project, but nothing crazy. Nothing. What crazy. do you think ballpark? Like five grand or something? Yeah, like maybe five. Yeah, just just say 10 grand in total at the most. So, so 10 grand invested. So your return on investment is huge. <laughs> yeah, but if you divide that number by the amount of hours we worked, then it would be more reasonable. Because yeah. I'd love to say that this is 10 grand, but we worked a lot on yeah. this deal and it was fun. We learned, but it yeah. wasn't all peaches and rainbows, right? Yeah. So 267% return on investment. That's hot. That's good return. Which is good. Except like you said, if you applied a hourly rate to your work. Yeah, which at the time we did keep schedule because this was my mm. second partnership. So at this point we kept all of our hours tracked and we, so I, don't, I can't tell you, you what that is right kept now. It, tried to keep it even. We wanted to because it yeah. was different skill sets and different yeah. per, partner bringing capital, right? So what was your structure? Like, I guess no one had to bring the capital, but somebody had to go well, on the like mortgage. It was like 10 grand or something like that. And the mortgage, we we went all on it. But so both at, you and, and Austin? Austin, yeah. And uh, my brother was on that deal just as like... Um, Guarantor? Yeah, exactly. Okay. He had a strong job in the city. And I think he was the one that pretty much put in the cash and we put in the work, but Austin had more experience. So yeah. from a dollar per hour basis, I think we ended up allocating his... Uh, experience worth more than mine, which is totally fair. I was okay with that. It was only my second house and he's okay. already done 10 with his parents, you know, or whatever. Oh, so it was Austin's parents that had done. Yeah, that's Austin's parents. Oh, okay. And they're still renovating houses and stuff. So he brought some more experience. Now, did you guys keep your hours in into the project of manual labor roughly even as well? Pretty much. Yeah, I would say so. Nothing's perfectly even. It was pretty, yeah, we, we did yeah. it all together. All yeah. like, because... We originally structured it like it was going to be him working more, but I just love that because I worked at the bank like the mm-hmm. I, all day at the bank. I think about like I can't wait to go home and like do this and do <laughs> that. Swing a hammer. Most people think I'm nuts, but yeah. it's like it was me and my friends were doing it, so like we didn't mind going there and yeah, you know, doing that because we were enjoying. It was winter. What else are you going to do in the winter? Like yeah, you can go to the bar and stand in line for an hour and a half, or you can go work at your house and friends come yeah, by, great. have a beer, you know. Sure. Where you go. Yeah, I, I loved it. I always love going to see my houses. It's just they're so far away. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And that's why I, I, to this day, I only stay in Guelph. Like my market is Guelph. And yeah. people say, you're nuts. You're not finding cash flow. It's like, but my 10 minute drive is worth more to me yeah. than that cash flow because 
I don't want to drive to Delhi to go fix a leaky faucet or, no. you know what? I just don't want to deal with that right yeah. now. Like I'd rather be very close and that's my, what's my interest, right? Yeah. I mean, Lon- London was home for, for the longest time. So that's kind of why I was there. I- I'm still well set up there, so I don't have to run around, but, but yeah, anytime you go to a new area, it's a lot of work getting set up mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, being able to go see your properties is worth something hundred percent for sure. Some people would argue that it's better not to be able to see them because then you don't have to actually feel like you're you're the guy that's going to solve a problem when yes, it happens. But I kind of like that, like solving mm-hmm. problems. Like if it's not overwhelming, like if it's minor yeah. stuff, you know, I'm doing it for other landlords too in Guelph. Yeah. So I'm, I'm there. So it's for me, I'm just, I'll zip by my place and do this and do that. I still yeah. cut the grass, remove snow. I do all that. Because so you manage your own properties? Yep. Okay. Yeah. And you're, you're doing the landscaping at your own properties too? Yep. I do pretty so much. So you everything. cut your own lawns? Yep, snow, and I do snow for other landlords, and yep. My God, yeah. <laughs> where do you find the time? Well, like I said, I stay busy, yeah. so. How many properties are you at right now? Uh, right now, I've got, not including my primary residence, considered four doors, so four. four doors. Yeah. Four houses or four units? Four units, and then I'm yeah. um, looking for, I'm yeah. on, in the process of looking at a sixplex, so. And you're still in your 20s, what, like yep, 20, 26. 26? Yeah, turning 27 in a month or so. You so. still got time. I got time, <laughs> yeah, but I want to set this up now because yeah. I want to be, I, I look at a 25-year mortgage, so I want to have this all by 30, mm-hmm. so at least when I'm 55, I'm retired and I'm making that income coming in. This is like we mentioned with Guelph, it's not a cash flow game. So if I buy everything under the age of 30, then yeah. at least if I look at my retirement mm-hmm. where I can, the moment I buy my last property, yeah, it's paid off by the time I'm 55 or whatever the case is, then that's all free income. So then I can just travel the world yeah. and hire a property manager and say, call me if there's a fire or don't call me at all, right? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I find this is one of the the points I would love to drive home is people spend all these time all this time going to financial planners trying to figure out a retirement strategy. Mm-hmm. Your retirement strategy is is a 25-year mortgage or a 30-year mortgage on your rental property. Yes, depends <laughs> who you ask, right? Like my financial advisor, yeah. he doesn't believe in the real estate game in in that aspect. You can argue it, but some people have that opinion mm-hmm. and they say the market will always beat real estate. You don't have to go do this, you don't have to do that, but but I'm interested in that. But you can and what else am I going to do on a Friday <laughs> or what else am I going to do on a Tuesday night after work? Yeah. That's what I like to do. I don't have kids. I don't have any of that right now. Maybe once they're playing softball and hockey, right? Yeah. Then then your outlook changes, but right now yeah. I'm trying to make as much um I'm trying to acquire as much debt as possible. And people think yeah. that's scary, but it's leverage and leverage no. is key in, in your in your 20s because um, that's the way you create wealth. Someone else is taking the risk. Like the bank's taking the risk, you're doing the work. So I think that's a fair trade. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to your point though, like people say, oh, the market might beat real estate. Sure. You know, I, I don't disagree depending on what market you're in. If you're in like the S&P 500 mm-hmm. over time, I think they say like 10 or 11%. Uh, as long as you still you're haven't seen 10 11 but yeah over a over long time, time yeah. indexed yes it could but you don't you're not going to borrow against that not no, the way you borrow you, against real you estate could, but it's just something i'm not comfortable with i rather touch an yeah. asset feel it and yeah i mean we started with this whole thing i'm being a farmer right so i like yeah hands-on that kind of aspect of it i like yeah having an investment that's physically growing so i don't like this stock yeah. market i do have investments within the stock market but i don't i don't love it like it just gets me nervous that's why I don't yeah. check it. I don't look at it. My advisor says, just don't even look at it. Okay, yeah. I won't look at it. Well, I mean, 
for an advisor to say that sometimes that's scary <laughs> well he just it's emotional right yeah you don't look at your house price every day too right like there's no stock no, stock no. ticker on your street saying your house went down because your yeah. neighbor's basement flooded you don't realize that those yeah. factors influence just like the stock market i i think just yeah with when you add the leverage factor in like if, if houses are going up by two percent a year i think i've given this example before so if a house is going up by two percent a year that's two thousand dollars on a hundred thousand dollar house mm-hmm. right starts at a hundred thousand dollars two percent one year that's just inflation two percent right so you're up two thousand but if you borrowed eighty thousand when you bought that house you were only in for twenty that's right so then $2,000 over 20 is 10%. That's right. You're making 10% just on that property going up in value because money is becoming less valuable because of inflation. Of course. And then you add on your cash flow and your mortgage pay down. This is why like, yeah, sure. In the markets, I, I know people, you know, most of them are getting sub 5%. Okay. Some people might get up to 10 uh, doing really well, maybe even get into the above 10. Okay. But are they getting into 25, 30%, 40%, 50% that real Probably estate investors not, are no. getting? Highly unlikely unless you're Warren Buffett, Ray Dalio, right. or people who, who are predicting the market and, and have some sort of advantage to be able to do so, mm-hmm. some some excellent education. Plus, there's a tax incentive. I mean, we won't dive into taxes because there's probably people listening from the U.S. and Well, but there, oh, it's even better it's, there. Oh, yeah, it's well, whatever the, the case is, most yeah. people don't even really consider the tax advantages of having rentals or owning real mm-hmm. estate or living in the real estate that's an investment, right? So... Yeah, so being able to write off the value, so we can do a capital cost allowance here, write off 4% of your net value um, on your your asset, on your house. And um, so even if you had cash flow, even if you had profit, you can write that profit down. Yep. And basically you're deferring tax. And since time is money and money uh, grows over time, the more you can push taxes off into the future, the more you can play with that money and grow it. Of course. So there, yeah, the huge, huge advantages. I know we're just getting into Iran as to why invest in real estate, well, but that's all right. That's why we're all here. Well, I'd like I like to see how and why other people got into it. Yeah, you know what was it for you versus what was it for me and the you know the next guy. So I think I do find that fascinating. What's your vision for this? Where do you where do you want to go? I know you said um, you know cash flow in twenty five years. Is that is that it? Well, my vision is not working for someone else during the day. Like I want to do whatever I want. And if it's cutting grass all day, I don't care because I'll do that. If it's for myself, I want to build my own business. I want to run my own business. So I'm working commercial banking right now to get the experience. My boss, if he's listening to this, sorry, but it's the ultimate reality is I'm learning every day from successful business owners. So my goal is to just work for myself. And if it's managing my 40 units, then that's the goal, right? I just want that flexibility of time and not having to feel like stressed about not wanting to go to work. I don't have that feeling right now, but I can see a lot of people have that feeling. So many do. freedom of time is what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, freedom of choice, right? Yes. If you need your job, then you're a slave. You're a slave. You're trading your time for money. The question is, am I a slave or am I not? If you can quit tomorrow and it doesn't matter, then you're not. If, yeah. if you're in any other circumstance, then to some degree you are. And I I, I know that some people that's going to rub the wrong way. And I don't mean to cause any offense with that. It's just the, the ability to choose your day. Yeah. And, and for me, like that's, I'm not fully there. Like I, I still, I still have to create active income at this yeah. moment. I have passive income, but it doesn't cover everything I do yet. But that's why I'm on this mission. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm working towards growing it so that I am totally free, just like you say. So we have a very similar goal there. Yeah. Well, to that's me, time is everything. Why I'm sure that's why mm-hmm. we're connected, right? Because we have that yeah. same, you sparked that interest of me. And it's like thinking of that number that I need just to not yeah. work. 
I think about that number every day. Like I know exactly yeah. the number I need to not have to work. And yeah. it's not necessarily living high on the hog, but at least it's like I can do whatever I want all day. Like I can pour concrete. I can do whatever I want. Sometimes that's right? fun. Like so I like making if stuff. If it's my own job, yeah. then I every year I can build my own house, move into it, and then move again. And, you know, yeah, you can do whatever you want. So... That's it's what I'm... fun as long as the gun's not to your head, right? Like I yeah. like renos. I, I, I've framed a basement before and I found it fun, but I also was under a bit of a time crunch. Like I love the idea of doing that kind of thing when there's no rush. I could take my time or I could I could uh, go really quickly, but that's up to me. Yes. Those are fun. Like I like making stuff. Sounds like you do too. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone's got their thing though. I think some people, I, I don't know if it's true that anyone actually does just like spending money i don't think that that's like that's actually true well they call it retail therapy i know but i feel <laughs> like it's it's like sort of a deficiency i mean i, I think you can like material items are not going to get you happy maybe so in the, the short term you, right the moment you yeah. get over that you yeah. have to look within yourself to figure out what's going to make you happy and then do that and if if you're miserable doing something don't do it like it doesn't yeah. you can change you can make a change then Absolutely. you see those people who have just rolling those miserable feelings and it's affecting everyone around you. Like, yeah, I can walk into a room and feel the energy. I'm just like, I'm out. I'm not going to be in here. It's not worth it. I can feel the energy. Yeah. And I'd rather be somewhere where I'm like excited or doing something. Yeah. Choose your surroundings. That's right. Choose, choose your, your daily, uh, daily mm -hmm. life. I heard an interesting quote. I've, I was just uh, telling you before we got started here, Dan, that I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad when it was like, I don't know, maybe 2012, somewhere around then. And uh, I just started listening to it on Audible. I was driving and one of the, the interesting quotes from the book, and it's such a good book. It just reminded me how good it is, is if you find yourself uh, in a hole that you've dug, stop digging. Mm -hmm. That's true, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it seems so Don't obvious, right? Dig, Such yeah. simple advice. That's right. Stop digging. <laughs> dig some steps out. <laughs> yeah, man, 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 build a staircase. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, just a side tangent there. Uh, okay, so your vision is to be able to make uh, to make it happen you know make up your days as you choose do you are, do you feel comfortable sharing that number or what what's the number four for grand. you all i need is four grand four grand that's a, a lean yeah so because they, realistically if yeah. i'm if that's my minimum yeah then i have the whole data to make that extra yeah. and i don't want to be greedy i i have my forever home i have what i need and four grand is a month uh, a month is a number where it's like i can tell my boss you know what where to go right so that's yeah. the number where i feel yeah it's a starting point Right. Some people may say it's twenty grand a month, but four grand is a minimum is what I would sure. What what I would like to not be able to go to work every day. Yeah. So you're kind of saying, well, that covers your mortgage payment, that covers your property taxes. And if you didn't want to get out of bed for the next three weeks, that would be okay. That would be I'd get bored, but yeah. Yes. Probably two days to chill and then baseline. and then just back at it. So that's baseline. That's baseline. that's my boredom that's factor. Baseline boredom. Yeah. That's traveling like you can travel on that much if you have yeah. You know, that's well, fine. Well, if you want to go, I know we've, we've spoken about going to Asia yep. and how you can stretch the dollar there. I mean, you you legitimately probably at $2,000 a month. Oh, yeah. If you didn't have a house here, we you go to just Asia take every that year money. just because yeah. it's like you go to Mexico for a week or you can go to Asia for three. And it's like, obviously, I'm going to Asia because you can live like a king and queen yeah. there. It's amazing. Food's amazing. The weather's amazing. Yeah, you got to sit on a plane for 15 hours. But, you know, if you yeah. can make your layover a trip in itself that's what makes it fun interesting how many times have you been you've been to asia uh we've gone the past three years in a row and, and we're gonna go one more time this this following spring like spring 2020 we're gonna try and do um thailand and um i don't know wherever the layover is and we make a trip of it so 
Which country? Uh, we went to, we just came back from Vietnam and Japan. Uh, last year, we went to Bali and China. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's so, so far, we're, we're, we really like it. And which, uh, which country would you say is, is your favorite? Well, hands down, we, me and my fiance both love Bali. Like Bali. it's amazing. Like for $50 US a night, your hotel is like a pool right outside. It's 30 degrees every day. You know, the food's amazing. Everything's, the people mm -hmm. are, they're so friendly. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just so inexpensive, but that's not the reason. It's just, it's amazing. I'd recommend going. Mm -hmm. And every people, everyone who says like, oh, where do you, where do you recommend going? Go to Bali. Like we went to Vietnam. It was amazing. The food was good, but you know, I would way rather recommend go to, go to Bali yeah. instead. Yeah. I, and my wife's uh, on board with that. I know we, we talked about it for the honeymoon. She's yeah. like, yeah, that's just a little too far right now. Uh, but yeah, I would absolutely love to go there. You got to go for and, three and weeks, right? Two, three weeks at least. Just for the jet lag. Well, no, not even that. I mean, you get used to it. 15 hours, like to someone mm -hmm. listening to this, they're like, oh, I can't do that. But you know, you stay up the night before we plan a lot of stuff. So we're very tired. Once we get to the airport, mm. we go to the first class lounge, we have a few drinks and then, yeah. you know, you t there's a vitamin called melatonin and you just take it just before you go and you pretty much sleep the whole flight. You wake up, you eat and then. You know, they keep feeding you on those long flights, right? So you wake up, you eat, you go back to bed and it, there's entertainment and it's fine. Yeah, that's all right. No, it's nothing. Like I, one of the other places I've been, uh, which is a super long flight, Hawaii. Yeah. You know, yeah, I know we digress, but it's, it's all part of it, right? This is why well, this, this is, is why I do the, are, the yeah. financial independence, right? So what you've described, you know, as that baseline, that's sort of what uh, guys in the, the fire movement, they call lean fire. So lean financial independence, mm -hmm. retire early. Everyone has their own number. Like, I think, I think if we were to, you know, live on food stamps and what have you, we could probably do it somewhere around there. Maybe because we're in Burlington, maybe closer to like six between my wife and I. But, you know, that's not going to do everything we want to do. Curious, what, how much time have you given yourself to, to achieve your goal? Uh, well, I usually set new goals every five years because I... I plan them for longer, but I end up I end up doing them quicker. But your I'm number, so your four K, oh, like to be able to. I want to try and do it in five years. Within five years, yes. So basically, thirty-two years old. I want to be. You're you're out. You're yeah. no you're no longer working. Yeah, that's never right. again. I'm gonna try my best. I mean, yeah. even if I'm working at thirty-two, mm -hmm. I'm probably just gonna yeah. be slowing right down too. But sure, that's my plan. And in the meantime, I have to build another business or something that will help get me flowing on the day i retire right from yeah. my banking career so. well you can build that that cash flow with real estate that's right but where i am it's more speculative like it, you're not going to get the cash flow because properties are worth more so i can do more flips and stuff in the winter which is fine um but it's it's just building that service well, business which a lot of people hate but it's i want to service the landlord so that they can okay you know like i can build a, a name for myself and i've done it for a few years already and i'm i, I enjoy it some landlords are a pain in the ass, but for the most part, I enjoy it. Okay. How many properties are you managing for people? Like, I would say it depends on what service, but on average, between 20 and 30 units, I'd say. Yeah. And they're usually multiplex buildings, so it's a little bit easier in terms of management. Because it's not like I'm going to 30 different houses, it's more buildings. And you're just charging a percentage of rent or... Yeah, it's more of uh, depends on the agreement. Everything's a little okay. bit different. So some of them are just maintenance on the property. Some of them are one off. Some of them are vacation coverage. Some of them yeah. like so there's so many different things and I'm customized. I'm not a big yeah. management company, so I can be unique in my structure and, and right. everything like that. 
So just to your point before you say real estate in Guelph, hard to cash flow, I, I've heard the same. What I would say is there's still always a way to find value where others don't see it. So I know Airbnbs become a bigger thing. I don't know if, if that's an option in Guelph or if they have laws against that might be an option there to get some cash flow when you didn't think that, that it was possible. And then the other thing is, is just doing what you're doing and going in and, and meeting with the city and finding out what they need or finding out what they're open or a new initiative coming, right? Like when they approved secondary dwelling units mm-hmm. and maybe if you convert them on a dime maybe you could cash flow that way so i've done that i've done duplex mm-hmm. conversions it's they're they're awesome like i've made a good buck doing a mm-hmm. few of those um i like it and um that's that's an opportunity too that's a yeah. winter project for me like you're inside yeah. so you can do the the fire doors and this and that yeah. which is fine i'm okay with that how again many, i'm open to anything really how many properties have you flipped like that you've sold like five or six i think five or six yeah. plus the four that you own and kept Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been pretty active in oh, your yeah. in your six and years, yeah. five years. I'm always I yeah. my I, I try and do two or three deals a year with my realtor. So okay, whether buy or sell or do something, buy, I'm always sell, trying to upgrade or flip. Or, yeah. Or both. Yeah. So if it's a primary yeah. residence, I have to live there for a year. That's okay, and then move. Mm-hmm. Or so I've okay. done that as well. So I know you're still early in the game, but what's what's something that you would recommend to somebody getting started as a you know something that you know they need to be aware of a piece of advice. I would say everyone just gets, they're so anxious about pulling the trigger to start out. Like, yeah. don't be afraid to ask your parents for a cosign and just say, hey, listen, mom or dad, mm-hmm. I'll pull you off in six months. Just, you know, the property values are so expensive. I can't get in. Well, if you keep waiting, they're just going to get more expensive. Suck it up and just put an offer in because you're not going to get one on your first house. So just, just get in there because that was the best thing I ever did was bought a property and I was so nervous at the time mm-hmm. and I was like, this is going to blow up my face. I'm, it's not going to work, but it ended up being the best decision that I've ever done. So I would say mm-hmm. just don't worry. Just have fun with it and in, enjoy it and um, try not to worry. Don't sweat the small things. Mortgage is just 12 payments, right? When you think about that, it's yeah. only 12 payments a year. So yeah. 12 is not a tough number. Anyone can scrape together 12 payments, right? You just got to think outside the box there. Okay. so So simplify it. What is something that you would recommend people or or caution people against um, when they're getting started in real estate investment? Partnerships for me was um, was a, a yin and a yang. It was really good because I was able to be successful and we learned a lot from each other. But you really have to have stuff ironed out before you take ownership. Write stuff down just so that everything's clear. I'm going to do the work or we're going to split the work, or you're going to put up the money, and this is why it's documented. Leave a file at your lawyer's office so that everyone knows it's all clear. When I was younger, it wasn't a big deal, but as the properties gained value, it became a pressing issue because someone wanted their money out, and it was like, well, we weren't going to pull our money out till this time, and um, I would just say be clear with your... Mm -hmm. If you are going to partner with a buddy and say, we're going to buy our first place, just be clear with them off the get-go, write stuff down, and just... It will work very well if you just write it down and, and and document it. Now, without experience, it's probably pretty hard for people to know what what's going to come up, right? Because if you haven't been through it, how are how are you going to know? Like you brought up a, a good point that you know sometimes your partner wants out. Well, did you have something written down for that? What if you never even thought about that? So, if somebody hasn't done a, a joint venture partnership yet. Is there somewhere they should look, some person they should talk to? Well, mentors are the most important. Like we're yeah. we're building this kind of mentorship group, this yeah. networking group. So it's just about asking people yeah. who have done it um, in the industry. 
Uh, my parents, when I told them I was buying my first property, they're like, you're buying with a partner. I don't recommend it. Just go with yourself. We'll help you out. But at the time they weren't going to help. Like it wasn't like that. Yeah. So I was like, I'm just going to do this because this is how I have to mm-hmm. get it. And if I learn, it's going to be a $10,000 lesson. Like who cares? Like it's, yeah. you know, it's a lot of money now, but it it's going to save me a lot later. So I would say there's always people that could, yeah. your lawyer, either way, you're going to sit down with them when you buy a house anyway. So they'll recommend what they see. Right. So certainly you can talk to your lawyer. Uh, if you deal with a lawyer that deals with a lot of investors that do that type of investment, then they could probably put you on the right track. Um, you do have to be aware of the implications. If you're if you're bringing two people onto a, a house, then mm-hmm. they both have to go on the mortgage. So that's right. You're going to want to make sure you know who you're getting uh, getting in into a deal with and make sure that they can qualify. Yep. So there, there's obviously many things to know. You you bring up a great point. Network, get out there and, and do meetups because guarantee there are other people out there who have done JVs in your area who can, you know, maybe even give you a, a sample contract that they've sure. used. That's gold, right? If you can get a sample contract somebody else has used and then you see, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it's really cool that you did that. Well, we yeah. just I just started attending your listening to your podcast and yeah. attending the meetings. I've learned more probably in the last six months or however, since February you've been doing this than yeah. I have in the last few years scraping my knees and figuring it out just because I've came to every meeting with an objective mm-hmm. or like, hey, what are you doing this? Or, or you yeah. know, going with a problem that someone else has. And for the yeah. most part, I get it solved every time there's a... There's a meetup. There's yeah. a meetup because That's everyone's gone through the issue. I didn't realize that. I, yeah. I haven't heard a, a testimony like that. So there you go. We'll have to get that one for the uh, <laughs> for the Facebook group. Dan, if somebody wanted to, to reach out to you, connect with you, uh, learn more about you and what you're doing uh what's the best way i'm on instagram and i'm sure you'll paste paste my yep. handle i can put just uh, my name. i can put your instagram handle in i don't in really the, use uh, facebook um other than that instagram you can message me uh just Perfect. message me through instagram we can email wh- whatever i'm always looking to connect and and uh build a network yeah sure maybe some people from guelph are, are wanting to connect you know Absolutely. maybe they want you to manage their properties yeah yeah maybe next time we'll talk farming that was one of my follow-up questions. Okay, so we got time for a couple more sure. questions to get to know you. Farming-wise, what are you doing? Where did it start? Um, so a lot of people think of farmers as like, you know, dairy farmers, milking cows every day. Uh, I'm essentially a, a contract farmer. So what I do is I grow grains. I grow soybeans, corn, and wheat. And mm-hmm. grains are traded on the commodity markets. So it's a futures market. So essentially what I do is I do own a, a bit of farmland, 60 acres, which I'm in the process of selling to, you know, purchase more real estate assets, which I think is a better investment at this point because I rent farmland. So what I do is I rent farmland off people who own farmland, investors, mm. um, developers usually. And then what I'll do is I'll, I'll own the fertilizer. I'll own mm. the seed. I'll hire someone to plant mm. the seed, spray the crops, harvest the crops. And essentially I focus on selling the crops. So I watch the markets I yeah. pick the prices and then deliver them at harvest time. So, so you just subcontract the whole thing out? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Sub, I don't want anything except a pickup truck. And a lot of guys think, you're nuts. How are you making a buck? Well, I'm watching the markets while you're sitting in a tractor seat. So I can pick a price that you may have missed, right? So so you you, you basically find a contract to sell. Exactly. And you, and you just lock that in? Lock it in and then deliver it when the harvest is there. You have to have a little bit of experience in gr- the field, the crop, because you don't want to overextend mm-hmm. yourself by agreeing yeah. you can sell, you know, 80 ton when you can only deliver 40, right? Because then yeah. you're on the hook for that 40. So you're knowledgeable about farming. Did your family, they were into farming? Or? No, not really. I went to school for ag economics in Guelph, but it was just more of a opportunity landed on my lap. And I was like, uh, I can't say no to this. I rented 40 acres and 
in my last year of university, just before I bought that last house or my first house. Mm -hmm. And uh, I grew soybeans. I made a buck at it. And that's, I just enjoyed it. And I kept looking for more land, looking for more land. So I've been doing that for just as long as I've been in real estate. So about six, six, seven years now too. Very cool. Yeah. Very unique. You're a guy who's not afraid to be an entrepreneur in many fields. I'm not afraid to it. Yeah. So, yeah. What's your hobby outside of real estate and traveling to Bali? My my favorite hobby is traveling. Like, yeah. bes- but besides that, yeah. Um, I would say right now we 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 live in the country just outside of Guelph. So I'm really into like gardening right now. I have like yeah. a chicken coop, so I'm doing yeah. that kind of stuff, which I've never had my own place that I can garden because I've always yeah. been just working on properties. Um, so I'm doing that bit of gardening, hanging out with friends, you know, having bonfires because we live in the country so we can do all that. So. Beautiful. So embracing the uh, the country lifestyle. Embracing country it all. Living. So the dream is to live yeah. on a farm, but yeah. till then. So you're not on a farm now. You're, no, your I, my farm's strictly yeah. investment and okay. I'm in the process of selling that to purchase a, a multi-unit. Um, okay. So yeah, farming is, is great in terms of return on investment, but I find from the amount of capital you have to put into a field to buy a farm, I would mm. way rather put it into a real estate asset because of the cash flow yeah. aspect. Of it. Now we can get it. That's a separate podcast. But you can rent out. You can rent out land. Yeah, there's probably a whole. But it episode, doesn't cash yeah. flow. Farms don't cash flow like a a, a property does. So, so for example, a million dollar farm. Flow. Yeah. You're you're gonna have to make those mortgage payments. But yeah. a million dollar apartment building, chances are it's it cash should. flowing to cover itself. And then yeah. at that point you're in good shape. So yeah, obviously a side conversation. I know I know that some people do rent out their land, right? They yes. own it and they rent it out. Can yep. you cash flow in that circumstance? No. No, still not, not? right now. No, no? not okay. in Ontario. Like in Saskatchewan, yeah. big time. In Alberta, yeah, but not here, no. Ah, the so. way there's so many supply managed farms yeah. around here, dairy farmers, poultry farmers, the price has exceeded the um the value in which cash flow where it makes it a cash right. flow positive investment okay so it's just become too expensive that's to buy right. the land and that's yeah. why even my farm land that i have um i have a house on the property and the only way i can make it work is because it's rented out to tenants very interesting you're right we, we could definitely do a whole episode we, we on could that, do a whole but we'll we'll leave that for the next time you come sure. back then you're an interesting guy young guy yeah. so i'll be interested to see what you do over the next few years and hopefully you're lighting it up and 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 getting it done before 32 awesome yeah well thanks a lot for having me and i'll hope to see everyone at the the rei meetup in greater hamilton area yeah yeah come on out to the next meetup the next one's in august and i don't have the exact date but the link will be in the show notes for the uh, meetup group if you're in the golden horseshoe and you'd like to come out so all right thanks a lot dan Uh, we'll uh we'll see you on the next one thanks